Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Tampa Bay Lightning signed two players as NHL free agency gets underway, including a goaltender? What does that mean for Louis Domingue? We'll ask Diana Neros, the Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. The Rays beat the Orioles 6-3 as Kevin Kiermaier has the game-winning three-run homer. And speaking of the race, one believes Stu Sternberg's plan to play half a race seasons in Montreal could actually work. I know a guy. We'll talk to Times assistant sports editor Ernest Hooper about the race plan. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. I know you got choice of air conditioning companies. It's hot out there. Chances are your unit's going to die here at some point. Well, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment, so give them a call at 727-862-2100. Take advantage of this great offer on a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727 827-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. All right, Diana Neros joins us now. And uh, Diana, busy day, of course, uh, first day of free agency. The Lightning were active. They signed uh, Carolina goaltender Curtis McElhenney and, of course, uh, Vancouver defenseman Luke Shen. We'll get into that in just a minute. But before that, I did want to ask you about what what looked to be sort of a a courtship of, of Joe Pavelski. And he ends up going from San Jose to Dallas signs a three-year $21 million deal there. What was interesting about it is, like, I don't think offense is something that necessarily the Lightning would, uh, you know, would be worried about, not that they're worried about it, but, like, what would Pavelski bring them when they got, you know, a trio of 40-goal scores already? What kind of player uh, would he have been or is he that, that would have attracted the Lightning to him? I think this was a case of seeing an opportunity and going for it more than Mm -hmm. filling a dire need. Uh, Mm -hmm. is one of, if not the best net front presence in the league and the lightning doesn't really have that granted. They've obviously been able to score without it, but it was a spot that the lightning doesn't have. So thus kind of a hole. Um, you know, Yanni Gord's the closest they have to that and Gord's good and Gord has a great tip and tips a lot of shots but he's not the body and the presence and the kind of disruptive or disruptive isn't the right word um on offense but kind of disruptive disrupting the goalie um that Pavelski offers so I think this was an opportunity where you saw somebody somebody thought you might be able to afford and Mm -hmm. went for it more than we desperately need this. Let's make a big push. Uh, talking to Brisebois, it sounds like they had a good interview um, and just came down to that Dallas had more cap space. And the Lightning really couldn't do seven. They might have been able to do six. It was going to be pushing it. Um, but they really couldn't do seven. So the $7 million that Dallas offers won Pavelski. 
Right. And of course, Ryan Callahan, when he was healthy back in the day, was that guy that would do some of those things. And so, um, you know, obviously it makes sense now uh, when you talk about his style of play and, and his leadership at that age. Okay, but they did do uh, some deals, obviously. And uh, another thing that may not have been on a lot of people's radar, but it makes sense to me now, is that uh, they go and they get Carolina goaltender Curtis McElhenney. And, you know, Louis Domingue played lights out. I mean, you know, obviously him and, and Vasilevsky were terrific last year. Uh, what is it about uh, the situation with Deming that might have led them this way? So the way Breeze Bois sees it is next year they were going to lose Deming. Um, Deming is on the rise. You know, he proved himself this year. He revitalized his career, and he's going to cost something. And he wants to play more. And the Lightning have Vasilevsky and have no need for a backup goalie who plays more. You know, they're never going to come closer to splitting the goal, the net, the way that some duos do. And so he saw the writing on the wall that next this coming year would be the last year with Deming. And he said that the way you see backup goalies go on, you know, when at the start of free agency at such high costs, he wanted to prevent that by, doing it early before they had a dire need and had to pay those high costs. I see all that logic. Part of me just says, but Deming, you know, Deming yeah. is great. Uh, the lightning, he's great in the room. The lightning loves him. The fans love him. Like there's all sorts of good things. And there's the part that's just like, but, but why? <laughs> um, but I also, I see the logic. I see what he's saying. I'm not the GM. It's not my team. It's his team. And, there's some logic there. It makes sense. McElhaney's also a very good backup. Um, he He's older. You know, this is not going to be this, like, long-term thing, but backup goalies really are a long-term thing. So, you know, you look at the next two years or so and that you've got a capable backup, one who is coming off of um, his best two years. His stats were better two years ago but his his performance and his impact on Carolina was probably the best he's had of any of the many teams he's been on over the 11 years last year. So he's coming off of two good seasons. That's, you know, a good thing. He's a good goalie to have. So you just kind of, I guess, had to make that decision in Breezeball's mind. Um, like you said, I wasn't thinking of it. I kind of thought NHL goalie was the one thing they had that they didn't need to touch. Um, Spreezeball saw it differently. Now the question is, what do you do with Deming? So you try to trade him. What what are you going to get for him? Now there's, I don't know what the trade market is because he's a good goalie and, you know, that's a great thing, but everyone knows the Lightning needs to deal him. So I don't know what the trade market will be for him, but for his sake, I hope it goes somewhere where He's got a good opportunity. I really like him. He's young. It was great seeing him, you know, really revitalize his career this year, and I'd like to see him go somewhere he can take off with it if it's not here. Yeah, is it possible he would get a shot to be a number one goaltender and sign a, sign a big contract, a lucrative deal now? Or are they just take him for the one year they're under control with him? It could go – you could see him maybe go somewhere where they're going to need a number one. I don't know mm. if – he goes straight to number one now. Um, 
maybe I could see it, but I could also see somebody who's going to need a number one. Maybe their number one is up after, you know, this year and they're going to look at retaining him as number one, you know, something like that could be possible. Yeah. Tough for lightning fans to see him go because he did such a wonderful job. And, and, uh, you know, of course you want to go all in next year as you do every year, but this is something that will will, obviously breeze ball, I think will help them now and in the future, especially with, uh, with what's coming up for Louis Domingue. Okay, so they signed Vancouver defenseman uh, Luke Shen, and this is just a one-year $700,000 deal, so cap-friendly for sure. How will he fit in now with uh, – you've got Jan Ruda and Braden Coburn and guys like that, so just uh, where's the competition lining up for him? I think you see Shen and Ruda compete for that third-pair spot with Coburn. Um you know, anything could change in camp, and if we learned anything by watching the defenseman last year, it's that you never know when a rookie's going to come up and shock you and demand a spot. Um, I don't think they want to bring in Foot, Cal Foot, right away. Um, see what happens at camp again, but you know, I think he's more uh, give him a shot at some point in the season when somebody gets hurt, and you bring up Cal Foot to see what he can do. Is my uh, my my thought at this point. So I think mm-hmm. you see Shen and Ruda compete for that spot. I think you see Sergachev play with Hedman. They seemed a little hesitant to commit to that pairing, but at this point, looking at the line, you know who they've got. That's mm-hmm. that's their best. Um, you know they don't they like it benefits them to keep Hedman and McDonough separated. McDonough and Chernak were a great pair all year. So why would you change that? And, Right. Sergachev and Hedman have, were good when they were together. They're both um, skating. You know, they skate well. They play off each other well in that sense. They, the Lightning liked having Dan Girardi, who was more the stay-at-home to kind of balance uh, with Hedman in a pair. But it looks like they're probably just going to go away from that. It's going to be Sergachev, Hedman, or if we're going in order, Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough, Chernak, and then Coburn and either Shen or Ruta. And it'll be interesting to see how that breaks out. Now, that being said, we could go into camp and all of that could change. <laughs> That's kind of sure. uh, the fun part about it is we make all these plans and then things, everything goes differently. Absolutely. Sergachev certainly uh, burst onto the scene last year. There's no doubt about that. So big things expected from him. They also brought back Luke Witowski. So, uh, Witowski, so what does that uh, – is he probably headed to Syracuse to start? He's probably headed to Syracuse. Uh, the Syracuse has a, a need for D, and um, he's on a two-way deal, which just kind of lines up that he's likely going to Syracuse. Again, anything could change, um, but that seems to be the way it all lines up right now. Let's look around the league just for a minute, Diana. In Carolina, Sebastian Ajo signs an opera sheet with Montreal. Opera sheets are rare, especially uh, if they're uh, – executed of course um, I, I'm wondering what you make of that and also how if if any way that might affect a team deciding to go after Braden Point well it was interesting seeing how Carolina responded to the offer sheet and uh, basically said uh, they're gonna match but they're gonna take their time to do it to hold up Montreal being able to make their next step and uh, right yeah you know, nobody feels kindly towards the one who offered put out the offer sheet so why make no. their lives any easier um right. so it was, it was 
both surprising and not surprising. Not surprising in the sense that it gets talked about constantly, so you always kind of think there could be an offer sheet, but also surprising because it is so rare um, that an offer sheet is actually made. And um, Montreal's GM commented that uh, Aho signed it, so he clearly wants to be in Montreal, but by signing it, Aho guaranteed himself that money no matter where he is, so signing it seemed like a good move no matter where you wanted to play. Um sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, now that it's happened, you kind of feel like, oh, one's out there. Maybe there'll be more. Colorado just cleared a whole bunch of cap space. Do they offer sheet somebody? And who would it be? You know, all these speculations. Uh, but the thing is that more, the vast majority of the time, the offer sheet gets matched. They rarely, sure, they rarely happen at all, but they even more rarely result in gaining the player. So, um, We'll see what happens. There was a report uh, that I think I from Pierre Lebrun, if I have that right, but there were a lot of things flying today, so I think he mm. was the one who put it out there, that uh, Montreal had actually considered putting an offer sheet on point and uh, got an indication that they'd be more likely to be successful with Ajo. So I don't know um, what that means, but if they pursued it and figured it wasn't worth it. Um, unlikely, it feels unlikely that another team's going to see it differently, but you know, you really never know. It seems unlikely, but I didn't think Aho was going to get an offer sheet, and he did. Sure. We'll see what happens there. And, and the uh, the Panthers get a couple of players that the Lightning are, of course, familiar with. Anton Strawman, who played here, goes for a pretty good contract, and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, a goaltender who really shut them down in the playoffs, to say the least, uh, winning all four games. But uh, what do you make of, of what uh, Florida has done? It'll be interesting to see what uh, Florida, you know, they didn't get Panarin. And going into the past couple of days, they seemed uh, the front runner. And then all of a sudden that shifted north. So, um, but obviously they get a great goalie. They get a strong defenseman. Strongman's had some injury issues. I'm a little surprised that they went to 5-5 five, five for Strawman, uh, mm-hmm. given that his production has declined some and he's had some injury issues. But there's he's a great veteran presence to have in a room, and so you know they see value there. Uh, it'll be interesting sure. because that means that the Lightning are going to see a whole lot of Strawman and Bobrovsky <laughs> but, uh, coming up. He's got uh, all mm-hmm. that preseason in the first two games of the season coming up just this fall. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some emotions there of a couple different kinds, for sure. Yeah, and one person they won't see as much goes from Columbus to Nashville, Matt Duchesne. I'm sure they're not losing any sleep over there about that, but uh, uh, Duchesne, another another big acquisition, I guess, for Na- Nashville. Yeah, it was um, – that'll, that'll be interesting to see how – what uh, Nashville does this year – they're, they're one of those teams that's always in the conversation of contenders, and they fell off a bit last year after a hot start and then got knocked out. And But now they have a, a one of the top centers in the game right now, so that uh, definitely will only make them more dangerous. Duchesne's a great player. He was uh, the X-factor outside of Bobrovsky in the playoff series, really, after not doing a ton once he got to Columbus at the trade deadline, right. he really made a difference in that playoff series. So we've seen what he can do, how he can turn uh, the the tone that way. And 
he can uh, bring that to Nashville now. Julian Breezebaugh's first free agency as general manager. Um, what are what are the things are you kind of looking for with the Lightning? They obviously don't have a ton of cap room, to say the least. I feel like there's a forward move still to happen. I'm not sure what it would be exactly, but you look at who they've left, and right now that would put, assuming that no one from the AHL makes it, which is a poor assumption, but let's just go with that for right now. Um, that would put Martel in a starting role that I don't know that they are looking for him in. Um, they do have, you know, that's why you have prospects is to come shake that kind of thing up. But I feel like we might see something with a forward. I don't know if it'll necessarily be free agency. They obviously now have something to trade. I, in, in, uh, Domingue, I also wonder if they might flip the first round pick from Vancouver that they got for JT Miller. This is totally me spitballing, but the lightning Mm. isn't exactly a team that needs two first round picks. They're not rebuilding. They're not whatever. So, well, it'd be great to keep it because who doesn't want two firsts? They have that chip to play if they so choose or their own first, you know, they now have two. They could deal one if they wanted, if there was something they wanted enough, they could. Now they would need the cap space for that piece that they wanted badly enough so there's some come it's not quite as simple as as i just made it sound but it it is interesting that they now have two firsts and as a team that has a good base they could afford to deal one whether it be now or during the season if they if they wanted to draft picks are always great currency Uh, she's diane eros and it's going to be exciting watching julian breesbaugh build this 2019 2020 Lightning team, uh, you can follow all the free agency with her on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Diana. Appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. So we go from one of the most stable franchises in Tampa Bay to one that would like to play half their season in Montreal, a country that's more known for hockey than baseball. Okay, Ernest Hooper joins us now. In full disclosure, Ernest uh, is the assistant sports editor of the Tampa Bay Times, as I mentioned, and that makes him my boss. <laughs> so... This is a uh, this is a bit of a suck up portion of the podcast for me, but we go we have history, Ernest, and we should let people know that uh, that you and I uh, were uh, one of the early tag teams on the Bucks together, and uh, for many reasons that we can't tell our our audience uh, all the things that happened on the road when we were together. We we had a good time during the Tony Dungy era, didn't we? We had a great time, and uh, uh, there were some memorable games, uh, some memorable performances, and some memorable nights. Uh, one in particular <laughs> involved Irish coffee, which <laughs> I had never right. had before. <laughs> I, I did introduce you to that, which is uh, which I believe was in San Francisco, right? Yes, yes. Uh, now, and I, I haven't had it since because it's <laughs> hard to get up the next morning. <laughs> Well, it's, it's not hard to get up the next morning. It's hard to go to bed that night because so, no matter how, uh, how much you imbibe uh, on the whiskey part of that, uh, the, the coffee part keeps you completely awake, and you wish you could sleep, but you can't. So if you have too much Irish coffee, it's, uh, I found it to be a very strange mix. But, yeah, that and uh, the fact that uh, you introduced me to, to my wife, I think, is, is probably – I probably owe you for that in, in some respect. But um, you are yeah, responsible I'm, I'm, for it. I tell everyone I'm two for 21 in, in matchmaking. <laughs> Is 21? <it> really? <laughs> that's not hey, a good I batting average. Two. I got two. 
The two is good. The two is good. I'll uh, I'll accept that. The one here is good, so I, I appreciate that. Okay, so enough of the personal uh, uh, memories here. Let let's talk about because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is we we've, we've talked a lot about the race, of course, since Stuart Sternberg's announcement at the Dolly Museum that I believe did you you attended that right? I did. Um, I was at the Dolly. Um, tweeted from there. Did not think it was the best presentation from a PR perspective, but, you know, they tried. All right, so there was a lot of symbolism there, and you've heard the plan, and most people have uh, reacted, of course, I think fans negatively initially, um, and and we've talked about it with Mark Tompkin, Mark Tompkin and others about this, this plan, and sort of, you know, we're a long way from anything actually happening. City of St. Petersburg with lots of hurdles that he would have to clear there with the lease, obviously trying to build two stadiums and all of this. What what intrigued me is that that you are, are maybe the one person uh, that I know that is is sort of willing to give this idea of, of a baseball team playing the first uh, portion of its season in Tampa and then the rest in Montreal. You're willing to give this a chance. And so I, I wanted to get a, a fresh perspective or a different voice maybe uh, as to as to why you think this idea has legs, why you think this may actually uh, be a good thing or may work uh, on, on some level? Well, I think you start by looking at it not from the passion and emotion of the fans. You look at it from a broader perspective of what's best for the community. And I always start with the question, can this community afford and support three major sports franchises. And that question's been out there for a while. It was a question studied by the ABC committee. And I actually talked to someone who was on that committee today. And I said, what did you guys determine? Uh, you, you know, that was the committee a few years back that was trying to. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, make a educated decision about where it would be best to put a new baseball stadium. Right. That committee concluded that this community can support three sports franchises, but it's very close. It's very mm. close. You know, you look at uh, the number of uh, uh, corporate headquarters that are here, that there aren't very many. You look at what the uh, average wage is. You look at the fact that a lot of our residents are on fixed incomes. It is not uh, the best market in terms of uh, getting people to come out to the game. So given that, if you if you accept that it's, it's a challenge for this community to support uh, three major sports franchises, then I think your next conclusion is, Maybe it'll be a little easier for us to support two and a half, two and two thirds. 
two and two and uh, two and five sixteenths. I mean, I don't know how you want to slice it up, but it might be a little easier, and the community overall might be a little broader if we put a little less money into a new baseball stadium and directed those dollars towards some of the things that we need in the community. So that that's my first piece. Okay, let's uh, let, let's kind of drill down on this a little bit because there are a couple things, and and I I understand what you're saying in terms of of you know the finances and and the lack of of maybe some some major corporate corporations. You know, we don't have Boeing, for example, or even Air Canada or that sort of thing. Um, but it is it is a, a large TV market, and they, the ratings have done very well. We know people watch the Rays. We know they 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 care about them. They're just not paying customers necessarily. Um, stadium location, we were told uh, when they went into Hillsborough and they were unable to get the financing done, but we were told that by Stuart Sternberg and others, no, 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 this is what's going to be um, what's going to get us over the top is moving from St. Pete closer to the population center uh, in a new ballpark, one that is, you know, more fan friendly in, in many ways, um, uh, you know, be that retractable roof or, or whatever they decide to construct, uh, you know, clear, a clear roof, what have you. Um, and, and, and now, you know, Sternberg pretty much told Major League Baseball, who at least agreed with him to the extent to let him explore this, that, you know what, now Tampa Bay, now we're sure that they can't support more than 41 games, uh, home games. So I guess he's, you know, baseball is, is sort of tacitly agreeing with him in some ways. I mean, are they, are they saying the same thing you are in that? Yeah. You know what? I think, I think Stewart's right. Let's let him explore this because we don't think that they, they can support, you know, a full season in Tampa either. I mean, is that, is that sort of what baseball has said? Well, I, I think for him to sell it, he has to say that, but, um, there is not a tremendous amount of tangible evidence that this market can support uh, three franchises. And so uh, if he's going to make that argument, uh, uh, I think that argument certainly uh, resonates when you're talking about the current location of Tropicana Field and uh, putting any kind of new stadium in St. Petersburg. I think if you're going to do that, you know, my idea, you know, St. Pete has the funding. It may not be the best location, but they have uh, the most dollars to put towards a new stadium. If you're going to do that, in my opinion, I think you're better off looking at uh, some type of retrofitting of Al Lane Stadium and, uh, you, you know, spending uh, fewer dollars in having them for the first 30 to 35 games of the season. It's a big deal for fans to swallow because people oh, yeah. identify, people want the identity of the team. And, Rick, you know Tampa Bay has been striving to be America's next great city for more than 30 years. And they define that as having um, major league teams. And you know, it's hard to sell yourself as America's next great city if you're using that as a definition. Right. My counter-argument is we are a great city. we got the beaches. We have uh, great weather. We have incredibly friendly people. We have proven ourselves 
uh, to the nation and to the world in these various events that we've hosted, Super Bowls, college football national championships, women's Final Four, we're a great place. We don't necessarily need a full-time baseball team to prove that we're great. Um, and, and I think it would take it, it's asking a lot of the fans. I understand. I've uh, read the letters that have come into the Times. Uh, they are largely negative. It would take a while to get used to it. But if we got past that and we could look at some of the benefits that we would reap from not investing so much into a new stadium, you know, maybe we could come to terms with having a team for the first half of the season. I get the municipal uh, savings of taxes and things like that, the investment that the community would have to make in a, in a larger stadium for, for more than these games. And, and yes, Alling Field is a very picturesque location, and, and maybe the team um, could find a way to, to build that with their funds and what, whatever St. Petersburg might offer. All that being said, it, it doesn't seem logical to me that, you know, if, if you get – you know, as Sternberg sort of suggested that, well, you know, if we do a million or, you know, or so fans a year um, in, in the 82 games, we compress that, then we'll get twice as many fans for fewer games, some 30 to 35 games plus spring training, which you're obviously not going to draw for spring training, even whether they're moving or not after, uh, you know, halfway through the season. You're just not going to, I wouldn't think, draw that many, um, you know, for spring training as you would the regular season. But that said – it doesn't seem logical to me that people then will go, well, um, you know, they're only here until June 1st or thereabouts. We, we need to get, we need to get down there more frequently. And then the other element is, you know, an outdoor stadium while baseball was meant to play outdoors. I grew up here playing it and I'm here to tell you that it gets really hot in May and uh, well before June. And if you're talking about going almost to the all-star break or, uh, or somewhere thereabouts, you can have tons of rain, tons of rain outs, people having to wait through them. And I know other teams do this in baseball, um, there's there's a lot of hurdles, not the least of which is what happens in Montreal. Can they build two stadiums in two communities when they can't buy build one here? Uh, and and then the other thing I didn't go for Ernest was him talking about how this would be a great boon for the economy in terms of tourism that all of Montreal will want to come down and see the race, or that race fans who you know don't seem willing to pitch more than two dollars a ticket, you know, with the discounted tickets they have going on now. Uh, would then pay to you know fly three or four people up to Montreal, buy a hotel, spend the the, the airfare, and then go to uh, a weekend series in Montreal. It just I don't know that that all sounds good, but I don't know that fiscally, for the same reasons they don't have the money to support three major league teams, why would they then have the money uh, to to travel back and forth like that? I think that might be a little bit oversold. It's a little bit, I think, particularly when you're talking about Tampa Bay fans going to uh, Montreal. Montreal. I do yeah. think I do think if spring training is in St. Petersburg, I, I do think we would see some Canadian visitors come down. No doubt. What's, no doubt. What's the end? What, you know, how big of an economic boost that would be is uh, certainly subject to debate. Uh, sure. Let's make no mistake about it, Rick. The big winner, if this plan was to ever come to fruition would be Sternberg in the race. If you're ranking, who are the winners in this kind oh, of yeah. event? It would be it would be one Stu Sternberg, two Montreal, three Tampa Bay. I can't deny that. The question is, 
without this plan, are we going to be looking at the Charlotte Rays or the Montreal Rays and not having any team at all? Now, if that's the case, you, you know, would you rather have half a team than no team at all? A lot of fans are saying, I'd rather have um, no team at all. And if it comes right. to that, you know, maybe we bite hard on that and, 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 and carry on as a great city. But the idea of spending, you know, $892 million on a brand-new stadium for 81 home games when we don't have any tangible proof that we can fully support 81 home games seems to be asking even more than asking fans to accept half a season. I get all that, and then I would, I would, I would add this: like, what does it do to the landscape of the other professional sports teams right now? We know the Lightning are on top of the NHL in terms of their product. Uh, they've obviously been to Stanley Cups. They set a record for regular season games last year, all notwithstanding their flame out in the postseason. But they've done very well, and yet it's a smaller arena. They have forty, you know, forty something dates, not eighty. 81 um and and the tampa bay bucks while they might be their own you know cause of their own lack of interest look they're not you know it's not hard to get a ticket to a bucks game these days right and so you know how far removed are we from then another franchise let's say it's the bucks saying yeah you know the Rays had to pull out maybe this isn't a good good sports town maybe we're next maybe we should look someplace else in other words doesn't it doesn't it start to roll downhill a little bit? Uh, maybe, or maybe it frees up some dollars so we can better support the two full time teams. That's absolutely a possibility. And if I'm the Bucks, I'm thinking exactly that. I'm thinking, great, I don't have the competition for my entertainment dollar like I had while the Rays were here. Yeah, I I, I think uh, the the Bucks and Lightning would not stand in the way. Of, of this kind of plan uh, no. at all. I'll, I'll tell you another thing. You know, another another argument made by Stu Sternberg and Brian All. You know they they legitimately believe they are the the avant garde sports franchise uh, in the yep. nation, and they think yep. this could become uh, a trend, a, a, a new trend, and. One of the possibilities could be the Orlando Magic playing 15 games in Tampa Bay. One of the possibilities, uh, you know, uh, could be the Tampa Bay Lightning playing 15 games in Orlando. Uh, mm-hmm. If they're working on a, a, a bullet train that connect Tampa and Orlando, it could actually be pretty easy for people to get back and forth. And in that scenario, maybe each franchise has a little more money to boost payroll and, and fill the better product. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, it may even be possible uh, with the Buccaneers. Aren't you surprised though, that major league baseball and this might have, this might say what they really think of Montreal that they would allow one franchise to occupy two cities. And I mean that in terms of, you know, one day they may want to expand or maybe another franchise gets in trouble. Why are they allowing the Rays or considering allowing the Rays to occupy both Montreal market and Tampa Bay? 
I think they want to expand. We know they want to expand to 32 teams. Uh, Ron Manfred, the baseball commissioner, has said repeatedly that's not going to happen until he gets a resolution in Tampa Bay and in Oakland. So maybe, maybe this allows some other better markets for expansion to remain open. Maybe if you help the Rays find some kind of solution, that keeps Charlotte and Nashville and possibly Mm -hmm. Portland on the table, and they're not having to sacrifice those to help the Rays. And so it says that there is at least a pecking order of, of maybe a priority of other cities that are that are well more well thought of than even Montreal, which had a franchise and you know averaged seventeen thousand fans before they left, and then the baseball had to can take over its control. So I, I'm just saying, I, I I think for them to allow them to go into Montreal, there has to be other cities that they prefer as owners for expansion than Montreal because they wouldn't they wouldn't let them take that away, right? Yeah, no, I, I I think that's definitely the case. And and again, Montreal um, had a team, lost it. And what Stu Sternberg keeps talking about is the weather. Uh, the weather's a factor here in Tampa Bay, and it's also a factor uh, in those early spring months and in those sure. late months uh, because it gets cold up there. So mm-hmm. part of the part of the sales pitch is we are going to allow baseball to be played as it should outdoors outdoors yeah. outdoors in Montreal in June, July and August and September outdoors in Tampa Bay in April and May and part of June. Uh, I can tell you, I remember in 2008, the Rays played a couple of regular season games at, um, wide world of Disney. And they yes. played the Toronto Blue Jays. I drove over one night, watched that game outside. I, I have to tell you, it was a perfect night. Breeze mm-hmm. blowing across the field, palm trees swaying. And I just thought, man, this is so much better than being inside. Now, so, I did not go see uh, a game outdoors in the <laughs> middle of July. Exactly. <laughs> it's 102. And it may have yeah. had a very different feeling. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and I'll tell you, Rick, I had that same feeling. I covered a Rowdy's game early in the season this year, and it was another one of those just spectacular nights. Breeze coming off the water, where where you know you, you could just uh, lean back and and enjoy everything about the atmosphere and about the game. But uh, again, I got to tell you, I'm I'm in the minority clearly. I mean, we talk about Al Lane. The Rowdy's fans don't even want that happening. They've sent us a letter saying, you know, no, we want our soccer field. Go away. Go find another place. (laughs) So it's it's difficult to round up the people who would support this idea. The St. Pete Chamber has taken an open-mind approach. They seem to be somewhat interested and... Uh, I think on the Tampa and Hillsborough County side, Hillsborough County Commissioner Ken Hagen is interested. But right now, he's not a player. And he won't be a player uh, until, if and when, St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman, uh gives the green light for the race to, again, try to work out something 
uh, on the Hillsborough County side, and I'm not sure he's going to do that. And Christman could certainly run out the clock on his term in two years and not be the mayor known as the mayor that lost the raise. And so there's certainly a political baseball to throw around here as well. Um, it'll be interesting. And I want to I want to clarify for those that I know are going to jump on Twitter and accuse me and you since we're having a conversation and not a screaming match about this idea that you are just to be clear, you are not on the payroll of the Rays and you're not an employee of Stu Sternberg. I am not. I am not. I'm just, uh, I, I, you know, it. I think I had the same reaction as every other fan who's opposed to this when I initially heard it. And then I just right. started to think about it. Because these guys are smart. I know that. And I know they wouldn't have put this out here um, if they thought it was going to fail, if they thought it had no chance, if they thought it didn't make any sense. Sure. Um, I wish they were. I, I have to tell you, though, I wish they were better at PR. I really, really wish they were better at PR. The rollout was not good. The uh, presentation. What, Do- come on! I mean, it's uh, the perfect. I mean, Dolly, the Salvatore Dolly, the you, know, oh. um, you didn't get it. Forward no, thinking, that, that sort of out of the box, sort of surrealist. This was a surrealist for, moment. That lasted for about twelve seconds. Uh, they should have had that event at the top. They should have put up a picture of Dolly if they wanted to say it was a surreal idea. Uh, the museum was crowded. Uh, it was open for business. People were walking through. And, of course, uh, a fan got in at the end of the press conference and started screaming, traitor. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was surreal. It, it lived up to that, Billy. It proved to be very surreal. It was, uh, uh, it was an it awkward experience, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, what I what I, what I loved about it though is that at one point uh, the two guys from Montreal were talking in French, and at the same time the guy from Telemundo was doing a Facebook live broadcast, and so I had French to my right and Spanish to my left. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was surreal for sure. Nobody enjoyed the English that Stuart Sternberg was talking. I can tell you that in Tampa Bay. That that will go down as a as one of those moments, and we'll see uh, just what it leads to. But always love your insight. It's certainly something different than we hear, um, you know, out there because there is so much emotion about this issue. And um, so I, I think it's uh, it's it's always good to talk about it in, in rational, non-screaming terms, uh, which is hard to do with race yeah, fans, no, understandably so. Yeah, and and again, are we are we talking about forty games versus uh, eighty one games, or are we talking about forty games versus zero games? You, right. When you when you filter through that, yeah. this idea starts to sound a little bit better. But it's going to be a tough sell, no doubt. Yeah, definitely will. He's Ernest Hooper. You can read him. He covers the Rays. Was there on Sunday when Blake Snell got his stuff back together and. Um, We'll see how the Rays wind up this first half. It's going to be an interesting season as they try to uh, at least make their way into the wild card playoff, if not get back into the AL East race, which will be tough with the Yankees. But thanks, Ernest. Always appreciate the time. Good to talk to you again. Okay, Rick. Thank you. My thanks to Diana Neros and, of course, Ernest Hooper, both of the Tampa Bay Times. Tomorrow we turn into the Rick and Tom show as Tom Jones, my former radio partner and columnist of the Times, now at the Pointer Institute will join us. And then later in the week, we'll talk some college football with Matt Baker. 
The Rays continue their series against Baltimore before they begin their four games uh, set with the New York Yankees. That starts on Independence Day, July 4th. So we've got lots to talk about uh, this week. I hope you guys will join us. And remember, folks, we know you have a choice of air conditioning companies. Try my folks at Millionaire. For 30 years, they've been doing this in the Tampa Bay area. And if you call them right now, they're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. So give them a call at 727-862-2100. Take advantage of their great offer on some brand new train, quality air conditioning units, or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 